to the Remind You podcast, where together we keep mental health in the discussion. I'm your host, Dr. Christy, a licensed clinical psychologist who guides the dialogue about how our everyday experiences impact our emotional well-being. As we unpack issues that are typically swept under the rug, each weekly session offers us an opportunity to make meaning of our everyday life experiences. While you may gain insight and hopefully greater clarity, this podcast is not meant to be a replacement for a confidential relationship with a mental health provider. As we prepare for today's session, I invite you to take a moment, settle your body, center your mind, and open your heart. As we are joined by Dr. Josie, who will share with us a little bit about why all of the Black people are sitting outside of the therapy room. So welcome, Dr. Josie. Can you um, just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about some of the work that you do in mental health? Sure, and thank you for introducing me, Dr. Christie. Um, yes, like she said, my name is Dr. Josie. I also go by Dr. Joe, so some people may know me by that name. And I'm a licensed psychologist who works in the areas of not only therapy, but testing as well. Um, testing covers a wide variety of different areas, and I also do uh, research, and the research that I do is mostly with ethnic minority populations, kind of trying to understand how that impacts different aspects of everyday life. So you kind of dabble in a little bit of everything, it sounds like, around mental health. I do, I do, and I feel like one of the reasons why I got into it was because I felt like there wasn't enough out there for us in terms of yeah. our community, so mm-hmm. I found myself dipping in different hats, different areas, just because I feel like there needs to be one of us who looks into those things for our, our group. Absolutely. I am so glad to have you here today. So let's kind of just sort of jump right in and talk a little bit about, you know, we're talking about how uh, particularly people of color, right, are not necessarily found as frequently in the room of therapy or even as researchers or um, maybe aren't encouraged or aware of psychological assessment. So what do you think are some of, you know, those barriers that keep us outside of seeking mental health care? The funny thing is, my dissertation was on this topic. Okay. (laughs) I'm well-versed with a lot of different barriers. I will say, though, my dissertation was focused on um, Haitians as a group because that's the background. But Uh at the same time, because there was so little research on Haitians, I Mm -hmm. had to look at different groups, whether it was like Blacks, Hispanics, other ethnic minority groups to kind of see what we're, what was keeping them from coming into the door. Mm-hmm. And there are different things that stop us. One of the main things that I think mo- most people will be familiar with is stigma. Okay. There's a lot of stigma still that's associated with getting mental health services. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are afraid of what this might mean. If somebody yeah. is out there getting services, whether it's um, therapy services, psychiatric services, or whatever it may be, Many people are nervous that they're going to be looked at differently because Mm -hmm. of it. And other times there's this fear that you're going to be perceived as weak to reach out to someone for help. So we have the stigma coming through that's a big deal. There are also other things that affect us in terms of spirituality. That was another one of the big factors that came out Mm -hmm. where a lot of people felt as if 
if you are a believer, whether it's Christian, Catholic, Jewish, whatever it was, there was this fear that if you seek out mental health services, that means that you're not trusting God to handle it or yeah. trusting God to do it. You were doubting, you lacked faith. Um, and because of that, a lot of people would shy away from seeking those services. Other times they felt like spiritual reasons, reasons or supernatural reasons were the mm -hmm. cause. So in other mm -hmm. words, you did something and because mm -hmm. you did this, God allowed this to fall on you. So you yeah. accept it. It was your punishment. It was right. your there. And sometimes because they perceive their issues as having a spiritual or supernatural origin, they seek out spiritual or supernatural solutions. Mm -hmm. So they find themselves going to church or praying a lot or fasting or whatever other spiritual method they could think of. And then other things that factored in were different personal factors, like feelings of pride, self-sufficiency, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily wanting to share that information with other people. It was, yeah. there were aspects of privacy and in different cultures, you're raised to keep that stuff in the family. Yeah. It's not supposed to be spoken about outside and you could bring shame to your family from yeah. doing so. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of different factors that came in and then sometimes those factors also had social consequences mm -hmm. so for example um especially in haitian culture there's this heavy emphasis on when you're dating someone or marrying someone you have to know something about that person's family mm -hmm. so if they knew that a family member was seeking mental health services or whatever it may be there would be this whole push for oh no don't marry into that family because they're crazy right so, yeah so and so used to see a psychiatrist like you know don't do it so there were different barriers different factors that came into play and there's even much more than that because mm -hmm. there were some that were more logistical in terms of having access to resources yeah. having money having health insurance um having someone who speaks your language so let's yeah. say you come to another country but you don't speak english mm -hmm. um, there were factors of institutional mistrust which i think is very yeah. relevant today because we're looking at, you know the, the systematic inequalities that we're dealing with mm -hmm. so that also made people reluctant to go for services and get this there were people who were u.s citizens but they weren't born here they mm. underwent the citizenship process. And some of them, for fear of deportation, would not even seek services, despite the fact that they are citizens of the U.S. Yeah. You know, and you hit so many pieces there. Like, I'm imagining even there might be someone out there kind of listening who's just, like, sitting with the fact that, you know, all their life they've been told, don't you go to therapy, don't talk to anyone about, about your problems, or they've been told, you know, this is, this is your fault, right? Because you did something wrong, so now you're to blame, or they feel like, you know, God, let's just say, should be able to help me through this situation. And they're, they're wanting to come see Dr. Josie, and they're just like carrying all of this stuff, or, you know, maybe they're not from the States, um, but they want to get services in the States, and they don't know how will that impact them if they want to get married or become partnered, you know, and somebody finds out about all that. And so it's just so much to carry. And I imagine, you know, just somebody kind of almost like sitting here listening to us or we're thinking about getting mental health services and just feeling like that it's just such a burden to carry and so with the work that you're doing I'm wondering you know what have you found or what did the research kind of say that can help people even just take those steps to 
move towards breaking through some of those stigmas and those barriers. Um, one of the main things that I say I got from different research because the the what I did was qualitative. So I actually okay. had focus groups where people were telling me, mm. here's what would help me. And one of the biggest ones that I heard is that knowing someone else close to them had gone to therapy mm. and knowing that a good experience with it so sometimes i think we try to hide it if we've gone to therapy before while it's beneficial for other people to hear because they think i'm the only one yeah and then they hear, oh no i went to therapy and it was very helpful for me and then mm -hmm. that kind of gives them a push where they can say well if so and so went and got therapy services then maybe it's not that big of a deal and i can get therapy services too so that was a big uh game changer for a lot mm -hmm. of people Mm -hmm. that someone they knew had gone to therapy and had a positive experience with it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is changing how we conceptualize things. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be a little bit more difficult because whether we recognize it or not, we're socialized to think in particular ways. So it's mm -hmm. kind of going back to what you were saying culturally when you're brought up as you're supposed to keep this in the family, you're not supposed to discuss this outside and all of these different things that ends up affecting you over time. And it's going to be difficult for you to break out of that unless we change the narrative. Yeah. So it goes back to kind of saying, okay, well, this might be what we were taught where you're supposed to just keep everything inside, but here's a different way of thinking about it. And in terms of mental health, I think a different way of thinking about it is just thinking about it as physical health. This mm -hmm. is just on the same level. Everyone has physical health. And because of that, you can get sick. Your yes. immune system can be compromised. And in the same way, everyone has mental health. And if you're dealing with a lot or you have changes in your body chemistry or you suffered from an accident or whatever it could be, that can also affect the capabilities of your mind or your mental health system so you have to kind of think of it as something we all have yeah. we can all experience and it's not something that you could say oh well you know so and so can get mental illness but i can't no. right right, <laughs> right. So -and so can get cancer you can get cancer too yeah you have the same systems Absolutely. So I'm hearing kind of several things. So, so especially for you all out there that are, you know, might be struggling with this, or you know, someone that's kind of in this position, you know, part of what you're saying is one, we need to talk about it, right? So right. those of us who are going to therapy, or even just know people that have gone to therapy, we need to kind of have those discussions, right? Kind of like what we're having here to sort of normalize uh, mental health and kind of decrease that stigma. And then the other piece I'm hearing, and I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised to obey my parents, you know, and all that good stuff. <laughs> but, but part of what you're saying is, you know, your parents and grandparents or guardians may have taught you that it's not okay to talk about mental health and that it may be up to you to change that narrative to sort of make things shift a little bit. Um, and change right. kind of the and you don't have to do it alone either. You yeah. don't have to do it alone. One of the things that a lot of people felt were effective in, like, you know, specific minority populations mm -hmm. is getting a spiritual leader yeah. to do it for you. Have mm. them open the door because they're highly respected individuals yeah. in communities. So maybe you can't get the message out as effectively as you want. But if you talk with a group of pastors, priests, spiritual leaders, whoever it may be, they might be able to disseminate that message for you a lot more effectively. 
Yeah, beautifully stated because, you know, we're in this situation now, obviously, with COVID-19 and all that's going on in terms of the killings of Black men and women. And, um, you know, we're being told to distance, whether you want to say physically distance or social distance, we are, we are being, it's being recommended that we distance. And part of what you're saying is, and, and I totally agree with you, is that we need to connect with people, right? So this isn't necessarily a journey that we have to take alone. And there might be someone that's part of our community or our cultural background that we can connect with that can kind of help us take that journey. Right. And I think it has to be that kind of an effort. It has yeah. to be a community-based effort. It has to be a systemic effort because it's it's not that you won't have an impact one-on-one, -on -one, but you'll have a greater impact if you tap into those resources that are in the community because that's one of the ways, like, if I were to say where a lot of my clients come from, it's going to be from those, you know, spiritual pillars in the community. It's going yeah. to be from even medical practitioners. Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones who, once they realize that nothing is actually physically wrong with their patient, right. refer them to us. Right. And it's kind of like sometimes you can hear things better from a medical practitioner. You can hear things better from a spiritual leader. You can hear things better from someone who you won't perceive as being stigmatizing towards you. Like someone who doesn't necessarily know your information is going to take that back to your community mm -hmm. and tell everyone, you know... Mr. So-and-so was seeking out psychiatric services. Right, right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big piece, right? So the more, I mean, that we talk about it. So we're talking, we're doing all this converse, conversing about COVID-19, right? Physical health, the impact on us, wear masks and um, distance yourself, all of these sorts of pieces. And now I'm, I'm really excited to see that mental health is being discussed more, but it's been an issue for such a long period of time, right? Particularly in the black community and other communities of color. And so now there's a chance for us to have these discussions, to start to change the, the narrative and to check on each other, right? Because what you're saying is this is a collective effort, right? It's not right. something Dr. Josie and Dr. Christie can do. This is something that that really all of us are kind of responsible for in order for keeping our communities healthy and well right right yeah it's a group effort it absolutely is so i i wondered you mentioned earlier that you do provide what we call psychological assessment and i think that's something that's not talked about as much so i wonder if you might be willing to just share a little bit of behind what is psychological assessment? What could that look like if somebody came to see you for what we call psych testing? Yeah, so there's actually a wide range of psychological assessment. So sometimes you might want to get just a pure psychological, and that might be looking at your, you know, personality functioning, your social functioning, emotional behavioral functioning. Like it could be very basic, but at the same time, there are other things called psychoeducational evaluations. Mm -hmm. And that looks at your intellectual functioning as well as your academic functioning. And then it also throws in um, your social, emotional, behavioral functioning. And it may even look at things that have to do with what we call executive function. And that has to do with your ability to kind of, you know, focus and pay attention. But it won't go that far in depth. It'll mm -hmm. just probably look, you know, glass over attention, hyperactivity, and other things. But if you want something that's more in-depth, that looks at all areas of the brain, then what you might want to get is a neuropsychological mm -hmm. evaluation. 
And basically the neuropsychological gives you more of the why. So mm-hmm. I would say psychoed focuses on what's happening. So let's say you have a learning disability. It tells mm-hmm. you you have a learning disability. It doesn't tell you why that disability is coming into play. But if you do a neuropsychological assessment, you're looking at areas of the brain that are responsible for learning, for memory, for attention, for language, mm-hmm. for all of these different areas. And then you're seeing how is that interplaying on your functioning, whether it's with academics, whether it's with your social, emotional, behavioral functioning, whether it's with everyday life, whether it's affecting your overall level of development, because some people experience developmental disorders like autism. Mm -hmm. And all of those different things give us a clear picture of not only who you are, but how do we treat the problem? Yeah. Because now we know why it's happening. Yes. So just like when we go to the physician or to a nurse practitioner and whether it's something as simple as a temperature check or whether it's, you know, they're getting blood work, it's the same kind of process in mental health. Yeah. It's just a tool to kind of help um, another part of your body, right? To start feeling better. Absolutely. And I love how you put that because that's basically what we're doing. At the doctor's office, you would go get blood work done. But with us, we're doing all of the different testing and we're ruling things out. So just go to a doctor and they're ruling out, okay, they tested negative for this, negative for that, negative for this. Oh, this is positive. That's essentially what we're doing, where we're Mm -hmm. ruling out different diagnoses so that we can really hone in on what's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder, you know, you're this amazing psychologist, researcher, and psychologist who provides therapy as well as assessment. And there may be people out there who are like, meh, I don't really think they're, you know, as nice as they seem to be, right? Or they might be sort of judging us, um, you know, when I actually decide to step through the doors of mental health. So can you tell tell us a little bit about, you know, what goes on in your mind? You, you see a client that, you know, has finally... Um, had enough strength because I think it takes a lot of strength to come in and get get any kind of assistance and they're sitting in the room with you what are your what are you thinking kind of as Dr. Josie inside your mind Uh uh-oh no I'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) but it it kind of varies based on the presenting problem yeah so when it's therapy sometimes I'm just glad they finally came but I'm not gonna lie when it's assessment and sometimes I see how bad it is. There's a part of me that feels this feeling of regret, even though it's not mm. even like, I wish they didn't wait so long to come. Yeah. yeah. Because there comes a point where you can no longer worry or focus on doing interventions. All we're mm-hmm. doing now is accommodating because yeah. it's too late. Um, in terms of therapy, I feel like there's a little bit more flexibility. So when someone comes in, you know, I think, okay, well, you know, they've gone through a lot, but at least we can get the work started Mm -hmm. right now. And then I kind of try to think of a plan to help get through it. But yeah, when it comes to assessment, it's a completely different picture because I've had, like, for example, a senior coming for testing for the first time, and that's when they're finding out that they had this learning disorder, and that's why they couldn't ever make good grades in school. Or sometimes it's like an adult who's being diagnosed with a developmental um, disorder or delay. Sometimes it's autism. Sometimes it's an actual intellectual disability. So you right. think to yourself, if they had diagnosed this sooner, they yeah. could have so much help. 
Yes. Now it's like, okay, well, what can we do? It's not that we can't do anything, but what we could have done before we can no longer do. Yes. And I think that message is so important to, um, to kind of highlight because, you know, people are out here just suffering, right? There are people who are struggling and suffering and um, in different ways. And what you're saying, and again, I agree with this as well, is you don't have to wait, right? Even if you think there's a hint of, I don't know, I'm functioning a little bit differently, or, you know, I keep seeing all these traumas plastered on CNN or on, or on social media. I just, I'm feeling nervous or I'm feeling unsettled. It's okay to, you know, get a checkup, right? That's why we hopefully go to see a primary care physician uh, periodically so we can get checked out. And so we don't have to wait is what you're saying until something is extreme, right? Extremely wrong. Uh, we can kind of go in and say, I think this could be something, but, you know, I just want you to kind of let me know. Right. And it's something that we do all the time. It's kind of yeah. like, if you see like, you know, a lump somewhere you didn't see before, yeah. you know, you start to notice there's a mole that's kind of starting to grow a little out of control. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean you have cancer, but you want to rule it out. Right. Yeah. So you might see your, you know, your practitioner, your doctor, whomever it may be, just to make sure that if there's something there, it's not cancerous, or if there's something there to catch it early so that you have a better chance at survival. But when things happen and we just wait and wait and wait and wait, we're delaying the inevitable, but then yeah. we're going to have to deal with those consequences because now we're having to deal with, okay, since they didn't get this intervention, here's what we're going to do now, or we're going to accommodate right. the school system. And then it ends up being an even worse outcome than you probably predicted in your head mm-hmm. since you didn't get that help sooner. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, when it comes to trauma, and a lot of people don't recognize this, but there's, you know, your your regular trauma, and then there's your complex trauma. Yeah. So it's like when you have these situations going on and you experience a traumatic event and you didn't get treatment for that traumatic event, mm-hmm. only to experience traumatic event on traumatic event on mm-hmm. traumatic event, that's a lot harder to treat. That yes. That is become almost part of your personality. Yeah. And it's so deeply ingrained. It's in your genetics. And you're passing it on without even recognizing it. But now you can't even function in your everyday life because so much has happened to you. Yeah. And you start to interpret the world differently than the rest of us without even realizing it. Absolutely. So if you all don't hear anything else, Dr. Josie is saying, I, I'm going to put my stamp on this too. She's saying, don't wait, right? She's saying it is important to get checked out. It is important to find someone who can support you in this journey and that if you are even thinking that there could be something going on or maybe you think, you know, I think I'm, I'm okay. Um, it's also okay to get checked out too, right? Right, yeah. I'm hoping that they actually make this standard. I wish they yes. would make mental health checkups standard so that even if you don't think you need it, you just get it as part of your annual checkup or, you know, annual physical, whatever it may be. Because I think a lot of people sometimes don't even know what mental health problems look like. So they might think nothing's wrong, but don't realize that your functioning could actually be much more improved if you were in a better headspace. Absolutely. And you may continue to go to a physician thinking that your problem is related to something physical when actually it might be a mental health issue that's going on too. That's beautiful. Maybe someone will hear that and put that a policy (laughs) out there. Yes. 
I hope so. Yes. So you've kind of taught us a lot today. So, so what you've kind of helped us see is sort of what happens if somebody is kind of sitting out there and kind of wanting to get mental health services, but uncertain about, um, you know, whether or not they should step through the doors. You've kind of helped us understand what mental health therapy looks like, what psychological assessment looks like. Uh, you've also kind of helped us understand, I would say, really what some of these barriers are, what some of these stigmas are. And you've done what I, I love when people can do this, provide concrete ways that, you know, people can sort of move forward. So whether that's social connection, whether that's getting educated, whether that's um, connecting with someone in the community that you can be accountable to, whether that's recognizing the signs and symptoms, um, and then also just until it becomes a policy, until it becomes Dr. Josie's policy, <laughs> you kind of doing um, your due diligence to go and get your own mental health checkup or mental wellness checkup, um, just to ensure that you're kind of functioning in a healthy space. And so I love what you've kind of provided for us today. And I really, really appreciate it. One of the things I always, I don't know that I shared this with you, but um, one of the things I always like for our listeners to kind of take away from this is what I like to call little reminders. And um, little reminders are just your kind of nuggets, your sort of one line or two line takeaways that you want the listeners to um, just sort of keep in mind during the upcoming week. So when you think about the work that you do and you think about some people who may be um, staring at the face of mental health treatment, but still kind of on the fence of whether or not to proceed forward, What's the reminder that you want to share with them? I would like to share, um, don't wait until it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like there's also something else, but I, I don't really know how to put it into words quite yet, but it's almost like, um, it's almost like saying, that people who don't think they can ever be crazy are usually the ones who are. I don't know how to necessarily phrase that in a better way, but I'm going to explain what I mean in the okay. sense that when you're not preparing for something, typically it can happen to you. Mm. You think you're immune to it, and it's kind of like the COVID situation. If you walk around with this mindset of, I'm immune to COVID, you don't take precautions. You don't yeah. look out for you don't watch for signs and symptoms. Mm. You don't do anything when you see these situations because you think this could never happen to me. This yeah. Me. These are crazy people. I'm not yeah. crazy. So this could never happen to me. So it's almost like some people get worried because they start to notice things about themselves and they say, oh my God, I think I'm going crazy. Or I mm -hmm. think this. The funny thing is you're actually in a better place. Right. If you notice these things, <laughs> you're going to take steps. You're going to do things to kind of try to make sure that you're not losing it or you're right. not. Whereas the person who is walking around in ignorance yeah. can get something like a ton of bricks and not ever realize it because they never thought it could happen to them. Yeah. That level of invincibility or that sense of immunity that you have actually makes you more susceptible to the thing mm. that you think you're immune from. So it's almost like that level of awareness, knowing that anything could happen yeah. and I could be in the same place as so-and-so or whatever it is, will actually get you to take more precautions or take more steps towards protecting your mental health. 
Wow. How powerful are the, both of those statements? So, you know, we are, none of us are immune to the deterioration, if you will, or just something kind of going off course with our mental wellness, or our mental health. Right. And, and within that, we should not wait if we think something could be wrong, or we just shouldn't wait to consider our mental health in our everyday practices. Right. Even if it's just a screening, because yeah. sometimes you just need a screening. I would say, go ahead, get your screening. Just make sure, because when we don't, that's when tragedies happen. Absolutely. And then say, I never knew so-and-so was that depressed after yeah. the suicide. Absolutely. Or, you know, being a parent in that place is mm -hmm. even more difficult because I've had parents who have come to me for grief counseling because their child killed themselves and they didn't know that that was coming. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You have, I'm going to use the word blessed because I'm a person of faith. So you have totally blessed my whole soul today and I imagine you have blessed um, many people if not everyone who is listening to this so thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your energy I'm sure that there will be some people who want to connect with you just to kind of hear more about some of the initiatives or um, services that you offer so I'm wondering if there's folks out there how can they connect with you or follow you or keep up with Dr. Josie okay cool um, yes. Um, first of all, thank you again for having me. I really enjoyed my time and I felt blessed with you as well. Um, and I would say if you're looking to find me, I'm on Instagram. It's Dr. Joe underscore PhD. That's D-R-J-O underscore PhD. And I've actually um, launched a page with my sister. It's called the Mental Health Sisters. That means S-I-S-T-A-S, -S -S, not the E-R-S at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's important yeah, so they don't find the wrong page <laughs> right and then we also recently started a youtube so we're on there as well as well as um our own website which we just launched oh, this month yeah congratulations that is awesome that is so awesome so you can keep up with dr joe or dr josie same person uh, okay psychologist you can keep up with her as well as mental health sisters and your sister's also a psychologist as well right? yes. okay. in the family <laughs> awesome so you kind of get two for the price of one with the mental health sisters yes. awesome <laughs> I love that and and your website so that is wonderful because you know people could be out there just trying to figure out well where do I go from here so those are some ways that they can keep up with you. So thank you again for being part of this. Thank you for everything that you do um, in the field of mental health. And we will look forward to um, that becoming a policy down the road that people are required to get a mental health screening. Yes, I agree. I hope yes. so. I pray so. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you again, Dr. Josie. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. Okay, sounds good. You too. Take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in to today's session of the Remind You podcast. We really got some great information that I think we can apply during the upcoming week. For more information about general mental wellness or to learn about some additional resources, please visit me at www.remind-u.com or of course you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Christy Norwood on Instagram. Thank you all so much and be sure that you are keeping mental health in your discussions. I'll see you next week for our newest episode.